I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The words we have just heard from the gospel according to St. John, chapter 10, verse 11. My dear brothers, in the Episcopate and in the priesthood, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we have been told at the beginning, we are gathered for thanksgiving. And there is no better way to give thanks for a Catholic than to celebrate or to participate in the celebration of the Eucharist. Archbishop Valerian Okeke has explained to us why there are not as many people as there usually are when we celebrate at this arena. Because some of us, we are really wondering why we are entering so few. But perhaps there is another question in some, agitating some minds that the Archbishop has not answered. I didn't ask him, but I will hazard an answer to that question. And that is, another celebration so soon. It is not long since we all gathered here to celebrate the Archbishop's 40th priestly anniversary. And I'm sure, by God's grace, it will not be long before we gather again to celebrate on behalf of the Archbishop. Now, he can celebrate on Agusekwandeonecha. Well, somehow I also know that there have been many funerals in this archdiocese in recent times. And there has not been a time that we were invited to mourn with them that those who could did not respond. So I wonder why it should be a problem if we are invited several times to celebrate and thank God. Besides, Archbishop Valerian is known to be a man of gratitude. If he were to preach this sermon himself, he would have divided it into three parts. Part one, gratitude. Part two, gratitude. And part three, gratitude. So, Val is saying, if God is not tired of blessing me, I will not be tired of thanking him. That is why we are here. The passage of gospel we listen to is taken from a passage from where the Archbishop's Episcopal motto came or comes. John chapter 10, verse 10, is the verse of his Episcopal motto. Quote, Vitam Fabians, that they may have life. We are familiar with the image of Christ as shepherd, 
But sometimes we miss the difficulty in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel in his passage from God to Shepherd. Because first he presents himself as God to the sheepfold. In this chapter there are key words. The sheepfold, the dog, the flock, the sheep, and the shepherd. With regard to the sheepfold, Jesus says he is the dog. And he says nobody enters that sheepfold except through him. And all the lies that any other person who tries to enter by another means came to steal and to destroy. But he himself came that the sheep may have life with vitam habiant and have it in abundance. Then the unstated question is, how? So Val, you have chosen that they may have life in abundance. The question is, how? The Lord himself provides an answer. The sheep will have life in abundance through me because I lay down my life for the sheep. It is because anybody who wants to hurt this sheep, these sheep, will have to, as we say, pass over my dead body. That is the answer he provides. And he does not say it figuratively. He does it by offering himself on the cross for our salvation. That is why when he says in the 15th chapter of John's gospel that you know a good friend by one who lays down his life for his friends, he not only becomes model by his teaching, he becomes model also by his action. Because he did lay down his life. In so many stories and mythologies, we have examples of friends who offered their lives for their other friends, but they eventually did not die for them. Jesus did. He laid down his life. And that is why he is the good shepherd. Has it struck us that the same Jesus who objected when the young man called him good teacher. Why do you call me good? Nobody is good except God. The same Jesus now refers to himself as the good shepherd. First, because... He needed to draw the attention of the young man about the significance of his use of that word or that adjective good as referring to him. Since if only God is good, to call Jesus good would be to make him equivalent to God. But aware of his identity, especially his oneness with the father, he describes himself. Not just as a good shepherd, but as a model shepherd. Because those of you who know Greek better than I do, 
classmates here know that we managed to scale through the alphabets and got 98. And when we went to Rome, they took it, we studied Greek. But those of you who know Greek better than I do will know it was not Agathos that he used in that passage. It was not who poimen who Agathos, but who poimen who Kalos. And Kalos here is not just moral goodness, but a goodness that refers to beauty, a goodness that refers to loveliness, a goodness that refers to winsomeness. A goodness that becomes a model. How? Because for this ship, I will die. And his relationship with the ship is modeled and compared to his relationship and his intimacy with the Father. I suggest to you, when you go home, to meditate on this passage of the Good Shepherd, along with the passage of the Living Bread in John's Gospel, chapter 6. Because there Jesus says in chapter 6, just as I, who come from the Living Father, I get life from him, so also those who eat my flesh will get life from me. And here he says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as I know my father, and my father knows me. This knowledge of intimacy, this knowledge of oneness, is a knowledge that does not come through normal mental intellection. It is the knowledge that is referred to in Matthew chapter 16 when he told Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, I tell you, it's not human flesh that revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Because he, had say, or he would say later, no one knows the son except the father. So for you to know the son, you must be united with the Father, it is a knowledge of faith, not a knowledge of mental intellection. This knowledge is an act of faith that is practiced, put in practice through the love of self-giving. And that is what we celebrate today in the life and service of Valerian Okeke who 20 years ago, when he was just 40-something years old, well, you escaped propaganda's rule. If it was now, you wouldn't make it. <laughs> and for 20 years, he has been doing this thing. I'm only 8 years and I'm getting tired already. My friend, Ara, the nezu no nofa. Onye obu na na ya no nezu no na na ara na ibadovani ne. Ofuke, inki pazu Abraham. Kene beranya na anya gadi amma. 
Abraham and Nate, you know, Messi boom, Muru Fumbos, a man, I did the Abraham, guy, no knock. Ha! One young man in car that boy has here, Abraham. Allah, you were an incumbent. Can Kiki be do that? Yes, you knock. This thing that Archbishop Val has been doing for 20 years, some of us are already facing some signs of tiredness and exaggeration. And I did tell Cardinal Onikon on the occasion of his 75th birthday that he has to give us the secret of his avoidance of episcopal irritability. Because many of us are very irritable. And this is what we are celebrating. And I will just briefly just remind us why we have to thank God on behalf of Archbishop Valerian Okeke. His life is well known. It's in the public domain. The danger of chronicling the things he does as bishop and he has done for two decades is that we risk giving him his reward on earth instead of preserving it for heaven. But we know that this is a man of faith, a man of prayer. I did come across the prayer that was composed for this celebration. A man of practical charity. A man of absolute trust in divine providence, which he also tra transfers to trust in his priests including the youngest ones to the envy of the older ones. I'm an insider. <laughs> I once told priests that whatever happens in the life of a priest that is negative begins in his life of prayer. A priest doesn't just suddenly get bad. He gradually begins to neglect his prayer life and gives himself a discount on the divine office. Until eventually, his only prayer becomes God will understand. And Cardinal Arinze, then Archbishop Arinze, would always tell us each time he came to the seminary, yes, God understands that we are on the route to hell. And why that is more difficult, I told priests, is that whereas the people of God will notice when priests are failing in their other major vows and commitments, people notice when a priest is struggling with alcohol. People notice when a priest is not too transparent with money. The people of God notice when a priest is struggling with the vow of child celibacy. But they don't notice when a priest is no longer praying. And before they know it, he has set the house on fire. Well, I don't live with you. I've visited only once or twice and I saw the prayer life of that time. But that's not what I will tell here. A story you told me, which you may not, have, you may not remember, but you will remember it because it is significant in your life. Of the evening you were chased by armed robbers. On the road from Onicha here back to Enugu as rector of Bigard. And by the time they appeared and started firing at your car, you were saying the rosary. 
And as he was praying the rosary, he had the courage to drive on in spite of the fact that they were still shooting. And he avoided them on one path only to meet them further on at the point of the litany. Val is still alive here because he managed to get to the seminary and then now. And you understand that while he, when he's celebrating the feast of, on the feast of Our Lady, when he's celebrating this Thanksgiving on the feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, it's not mere coincidence. The life of God's children is not the life of accidents and incidents, but a life of God's plan and providence. That life of prayer that translates into concrete action. Pope Francis, in his first homily on the first chrism mass on 28th of March 2013 talking to over 1,900 priests and bishops gathered in the Vatican Basilica and to the whole world through the media advised us as shepherds to be shepherds that are so close to the sheep that they smell like the sheep Shepherds that have the smell of the sheep. And we keep saying that we should not lock ourselves up in the sacristy and in the sanctuary, but we should dare to move away from our comfort zones and walk into the peripheries. Archbishop Val has been in the peripheries, in the hospitals, in the life of young, difficult persons in, in the prison, all these major celebrations are in the prison. And above all, in the apostolic of education of the youth. We have many reasons for which to thank God. Yesterday we were entertained by the music academy. But apart from that, we know the efforts you are making to prepare your priests to be servants and ministers in every aspect of life, without exception. Not without misunderstanding, but that is not unexpected. And for these and many other things, we thank God. We have been, you have been such, such a mess in the peripheries. Even if I may say, there are two peripheries for the church in Nigeria, and I'm coming to that as my last part. We have Archbishop Graham has been immersed, and he has been staying a lot in that. And that is the, the arena of the petty struggles of public life in partisan politics. It will be safer for any bishop in Nigeria now to stay clear, stay clear of all the things that politicians are doing in this country. Because you never know where you stand with most of them. But anytime things go wrong, the question will be what are the bishops doing? I can answer you, Bishop Val has been doing a lot. As late as Ronson. Obama, 
is a challenge to the rest of us as bishops in Onitsha Ecclesiastical Province in the Conference of Nigeria and I'm happy many of my brothers are here and in the entire world. Why? In the opening mass of the Second Synod for Africa on the 28th of October 2009 Pope Benedict the 16th did a very profound affirmation. He talked about a world in crisis, crisis of faith and crisis of morality. And he said that Africa is a profound long, a long spiritual long of a world that is in crisis. But he warned that that same lung is already being threatened by infection. And I'm asking my brother bishops, here we have responsibility we cannot run away from. Whether we read Matthew chapter 2 or Revelation chapter 12, 
Anytime that Jesus and his church were in danger, he fled. He fled to safety. And from that place of safety, he came back to continue his work. I imagine that there are signs of danger for the church in Europe and America. And time has come for us as church to extend our view and our pastoral responsibility beyond the confines of our ecclesiastical jurisdictions. The clerics and the religious here will remember that beautiful hymn that we sing at night prayer. The day that thou gavest, Lord, is ended. That has an imagery of a church that doesn't sleep and a church on which the sun never sets. There was a time that the British Empire said that the church does not set on the Union Jack. Now the sun has set on the British Empire. Because it is no longer Great Britain. It is just Britain that is struggling to survive. And that song in one verse says, As over continent and thy land, the dawn 